It's Monday, November the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, Biden prepares to take over and 50 million cases of COVID-19 worldwide. First, the world in brief. President-elect Joe Biden began his preparations to undo the policies of the Trump administration. With executive actions, he could rejoin the WHO and the Paris Climate Accord on his first day in office, as he has promised. Mr Biden is the former coronavirus task force today. President Donald Trump's campaign spokesman, meanwhile, said he is planning a series of rallies to contest the results of the election, which he intends to fight via lawsuits. Mr Trump remains president until January 21st. More than 50 million cases of COVID-19 have now been recorded globally, according to Johns Hopkins University. The number of deaths stands at just over 1.25 million. Almost one-fifth of recorded cases are in America, which is touching 10 million cases and 250,000 deaths. Transmission of the virus between humans and animals is raising new fears. Farmed mink in Denmark were found to have spread an antibody-resistant strain. Millions voted in Myanmar's election, its second since the end of military rule in 2011. Aung San Suu Kyi, leader of the ruling National League for Democracy, is expected to be returned to power. But the election's democratic credentials have been undermined by the cancellation of voting in regions affected by civil conflict and the disenfranchisement of virtually all Rohingya, a persecuted Muslim minority. Ihem Aliyev, the president of Azerbaijan, said that his country's armed forces had seized the city of Susha in Nagorno-Karabakh, a separatist ethnic Armenian enclave over which it has been clashing with Armenia's national forces since September. Susha is strategically located on the road between Stepanakert, the breakaway region's capital, and Armenia proper. Turkey's finance minister resigned. Beyrut al-Bayrak cited poor health for his decision. However, the country is in the grip of an economic crisis, partly caused by the missteps of his father-in-law, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The lira has fallen to record lows against the dollar, and inflation is rampant. Mr Erdogan had sacked the governor of the central bank over the weekend. Abe Ahmed, the prime minister of Ethiopia, replaced his foreign minister, head of intelligence and army chief. The change in personnel comes in the middle of a military offensive against the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, which runs Tigray, a northern region of Ethiopia. The UN has warned that up to 9 million people could be displaced by the conflict. And the United Arab Emirates announced substantial reforms to liberalise laws relating to personal freedoms. They will allow unmarried couples to live together and loosen the prohibitions on booze, whilst also mandating sterner punishment for honour killing. The reforms are intended to consolidate the UAE's principles of tolerance, according to a state-run outlet. And now here's today's agenda. Happier meals? McDonald's reports earnings. It's handy to have a drive-through when a pandemic shuts down restaurant dining rooms. Just ask McDonald's, which updates investors on its results and strategy today. After a slump in the spring, the burger chain reported year-on-year growth in sales in America of 4.6% for the third quarter, helped by faster drive throughs and digital promotions, including a viral collaboration with Travis Scott, a rapper and internet personality. High demand for Mr Scott's celebrity meal, the first such offering since the McJordan, named after Michael Jordan, a basketball star in 1992, caused ingredient shortages at some locations. But not all is well beneath the golden arches. Breakfast sales, a pre-pandemic growth target, have declined across the fast food industry as fewer people commute to work. 
and total sales at McDonald's remained down internationally, with European losses buoyed only partially by Australia, where COVID-19 has been aggressively contained. As new lockdowns loom, the fast food pioneer faces a slowdown. Impeachment Redux Peru's President Martin Vizcarra heads to Congress today for an impeachment hearing. It is the second in less than two months for Peru's president. He is accused of receiving kickbacks while governor of Moquegua, a southern state between 2011 and 2014. The parties behind the impeachment say the as-yet-unproven allegations make him morally unfit to govern. Mr Vizcarra not only rejects the allegations, but says impeachment is a ploy by his rivals to prevent elections in April that they know they will not win. He is not running. Proponents secured 60 votes for the hearing, but will need 87, a two-thirds majority of the 130-member legislature, to oust him. When lawmakers tried to impeach him in September over an ongoing influence-peddling case, they secured only 32 votes. This is Peru's fourth impeachment process in less than three years. Mr Vizcarra's predecessor faced two. The first failed, and he stopped the second by resigning. Talking beats fighting. The war in Libya. Libyans representing various political, tribal and ethnic groups meet in Tunisia today to start drawing a roadmap to presidential and parliamentary elections. Their country has spent much of the past decade at war, but last month a truce was agreed between the UN-backed government in Tripoli and the forces of Halif de Haftar, a rebellious general. That has raised hopes of peace. Much depends on how foreign powers respond. Without Turkey's support, the government in Tripoli might have fallen this year, while Mr Haftar's men rely on Egypt, Russia and the United Arab Emirates. Under the deal, all foreign fighters will leave Libya within three months. Even if they go, a big if, the militias that have torn the country into fiefs could still undermine any political solution. Libya's oil production, long choked by war, recently surged past 1 million barrels a day for the first time in months. Without the militia's cooperation, such growth will prove temporary. Flush with cash SoftBank Group SoftBank Group's results usually come with colourful imagery. In May, Masayoshi-san, the company's eccentric boss, compared himself to Jesus Christ while justifying lacklustre investment returns. Today's results should be no exception. Mr. Sun has already likened his $52 billion cash pile to a defensive wooden fence against COVID-19. The pandemic is represented by mounted samurai in this metaphor, if that was unclear. But many reckon Mr. Sun's cash will be a sword, not a shield, imagining he might take a stake in an American tech giant, or supercharge another tech investing vehicle akin to his $100 billion vision fund. Whatever the future holds, SoftBank is expected to have made around $2 billion net profit in the three months to September 30th compared with a $6.8 billion net loss in the same period last year. The Vision Fund will probably report improving returns thanks to rising stock prices and a strong market for tech listings. Off your marks. The Beijing Winter Olympics. Australian senators will today consider whether or not to boycott the Winter Olympics in Beijing in 2022. The treatment of protesters in Hong Kong and Uyghurs in Xinjiang, as well as the risk of Australians being arbitrarily detained, are more than enough reasons to shun the Games, according to the senators who introduced the motion. Some politicians in America and Britain agree. The Summer Olympics in Beijing in 2008 were also controversial, particularly among pro-Tibet activists, 
but there was hope then that the games might herald greater dialogue between China and the West. Those hopes have largely evaporated. The International Olympic Committee insists that boycotts do more harm than good. Whether that is a principled stand or a compromise of convenience, the only other bidder for the 2022 Games was Kazakhstan, is debatable. But discussions of boycotts brings attention to China's nefarious activities. For the campaigners, even that is to be prized. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Xiaomi, who died on this day in 1492. The wise man refuses to be led beyond his own depth. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.